Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and soon returning King. Welcome to Christ in Prophecy. I'm Tim Moore. And I'm Nathan Jones. For the past couple of weeks in our Jesus in the Old Testament series, we've followed the order of books as they're actually laid out in our Bible, instead of the chronological order of the events they describe. Exactly. For that reason, we've already discussed Ezra and Nehemiah, describing the return of the Jewish people from exile in Babylon back to the Promised Land. In the weeks to come, we'll return to the poetic and prophetic books that were written prior to the exile. But today, we will focus on a book that speaks of a young woman who seized an opportunity to intervene on behalf of her people in such a time as this. Esther was obviously the name of the young Jewish woman who became a queen in Persia and the book named after her. The events described in the book took place at about 480 BC, 2500 years ago. Thankfully, Esther did not shrink from the urgent need to intercede for God's chosen people. She stands as an exemplar for us still today, and the Jewish people still commemorate her role as a deliverer every year at Purim. God is still calling people to seize opportunities and intervene on behalf of His people. Our guest today is a lady with a tremendous personal testimony. She serves in a high position on a global scale, even as her focus is on the Middle East. She is an exemplar in her own right, as someone lifted up to serve in such a time as this. The lady I've been describing is Rita Elmonayer, the CEO of Sat7, a television network that directs Christ-centered programming toward the Middle East. Rita, thank you for joining us today via Zoom. It's my uh, honor. And I pray that I will bring a different perspective from uh, the Middle East uh, tonight with this interview. Rita, I first had the privilege to meet you and hear your powerful testimony at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention last year. Can you tell our viewers a little about your background, where you're from, and how you came to be the CEO of Sat7? Uh, it has been a very long journey. Uh, I'm from Lebanon. Uh, I was born uh, during the war in Lebanon. I lost dear ones uh, during the war in Lebanon. My father was so much uh, involved in the Christian militia in Lebanon, and I lost my mom when I was seven and my sister was five. Uh, from what I remember of my childhood years and teenage years is bunkers and um, and uh, grenades and bombs and uh, running from a place to another and living in shelters and um, and fear. Uh, sometimes I still uh, smell uh, the, the the smoke of uh, grenades and bombs in my uh, in my nose until today. Uh, but I think all this made me the kind of person I am today. Because at the age of fifteen, I started I commit myself uh, to Jesus Christ. Started going to church, and at that time I thought that all the problems would go away, but they didn't. The difference was that uh, I knew that day that the problems will remain and I will still have a challenges, especially as a Lebanese living in Lebanon, but I'm not alone. He is with me. He's going to guide me. He's going to carry me. He's going to protect me. Uh, he's going to uh, teach me. 
Um, and this was this journey that started like at the age of 15. I studied media, went into radio, and then after that, I started with, uh, with Sat7. I was, I've been there since the beginning, since 1996 when Sat7 was established. And until today, I worked in everything. I worked as a camera woman, I worked as a producer, as a presenter, as a director, I worked as a program manager. And then at the end, I, I became, you know, like the CEO of Sat7. And how I got here, I really believe that it's a call. Because when I started with Sat7, it was not a job for me. It was a call that uh, to, to proclaim God's love to millions of people who are confused and who are suffering and they don't have answer. People like me, afraid, they're not sure about the future. And this is where I saw myself, you know, um, I saw myself uh, guided by his Holy Spirit to make a difference in the lives of people that I love and I'm serving today. Rita, I was also overwhelmed by your testimony. In the brief interview we aired last year as a prophetic perspective, you made a shocking statement. You said that you would not trade away the tragedies in your life. In other words, given seasons of great pain and suffering, you would not do anything you've endured. Can you explain your reasoning? Well, as I said, they made me the kind, uh, the, the, the person I am today. So when I witness to people in Syria, I know their pain and I can, speak a word of wisdom you know to them and i can tell them i've been there i know what does it what 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 is does it feel to be you know like a, you know a person who lived in a war zone or even when i talk to people children especially then they're afraid about their future they're losing dear ones i remember one child said that her mother is dying with cancer and i could you know just feel myself in her shoes and trying to help her and tell her, hey, my mom was sick as well. And because of the war, you know, like I lost her because there was no me medical attention like those days. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, I thank God for all the things that happened in my life. And sometimes I, I think if God, you know, comes you know, to me today and tell me, hey, Rita, I'm going to like give you a beautiful life. You will be born in the U.S. and, you know, like you will not lose your family. Your father will be there. Your mother will be there. I would say no, you know, no, because um, this is this is the journey that uh, that was hard. That was rough, uh, full of challenges, fears, uh, insecurities. But this is the journey that God wants me to to walk in it. And God will use it and is using it through Sat7 to make you know, a difference in the society and the culture I live in. Rita, your testimony sounds a lot like Joseph, and I'm convinced that our human inclination to avoid any pain or suffering often shortchanges the lesson God wants us to learn experientially. That is true for us as individuals and for our children and grandchildren. How many times do we intervene and undermine what God is doing? Although we do not intentionally seek seasons of trial and suffering, we should always be attuned to what God is doing and opportunities He is presenting us with in every season of life. And it's not easy. It is challenging. There are a lot of times, maybe let's put, you know, challenges, hardship, persecution, make a church grow. But a lot of times it's, it kills the church. And we saw a lot of examples from history of, you know, history of Christianity, especially in the Middle East and North Africa. So talking about maybe Japan, maybe China. I mean, China is a beautiful example of, you know, thriving church after persecution. Japan, no. So North Africa, between North Africa and Iran today, you see that, you know, there is a 
growing, growing church in Iran that you don't see in North Africa. So you don't know, but you have to trust. A lot of times when we don't know, we have to trust him because he knows better. And this is the challenge in our, you know, like a Christian faith, in our journey, walking with him is the trust issue. The Bible just full of pagan people and rulers who came to recognize and respect the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. All of us here have been grafted into the family of God as Gentiles, following the footsteps of Cornelius and Acts. Well, you're calling us to reach primarily into the Arab world. The Holy Spirit is certainly moving in the Arab world. Can you share some of the exciting things that our American media will never report regarding the church in the Middle East and North Africa? Well, the Middle East and North Africa has the fastest growing church in the world. And where? Iran. I mean, just unbelievable. And this is, you know, like the miracle. And its size, the church in the Middle East and North Africa is big in size. Now, if you compare it to like the, the, the history of Christianity is small, but we know it's not about the size. It's about the effect of the church. We have between 15 to 16 million indigenous Christians born in the Middle East and North Africa, another maybe 2 million expats. And the third thing that this church lives out what Jesus' teachings, what Jesus taught us about forgiveness, about reconciliation, about peace, about love. I still remember when you know the the some of the terrorists burned the churches in Egypt and they wrote on them, We hate you. I mean, the church wrote and said, But we love you. I still remember when this, you know, like now we're celebrating the martyrdom of the Egyptians in Libya on the shore of Europe where they behead them. You know, like a, a woman called our programs and told us this, the, the, the day or the second day when they were killed, she told us, I am a mother of three, two brothers and one, you know, like a son-in-law. They all were beheaded. But I forgive ISIS. Because, because ISIS now showed the world that martyrdom is laying your life to, to others. Martyrdom is considering everything garbage in order to win Christ. Well, Rita, speaking of faithful believers in the Middle East and their willingness to glorify Jesus Christ regardless of the cost to themselves, you shared a powerful word of testimony regarding brothers and sisters in Algeria. What was their attitude regarding their Christian testimony? I remember I went to Algeria 2013 after they really nagging me on the phone, come and visit our church, come and visit our church. I went there and the church was packed, something that you don't see a lot in Europe or other places, you know, like in the world. And they're all Muslim converts. And when I was there, they were saying, okay, film us. Let's be on Sat7. You film churches in Lebanon or Egypt, other places, but film us. And I was just concerned because maybe like filming in Egypt and Lebanon, they're all Christian and they're not convert, they're born Christian. But these people, the filming them and, you know, you know, millions of people see their faces, it will jeopardize their life. And I said, like, are you, are you sure? I mean, your faces will be shown on our screens. Yes. But millions of people will, will see. Yes. And they will know that you come from them, you know, like a Muslim background. Yes. And I was like looking at them. And then one lady looked me in the eye and say, Rita, what are you afraid of? I said, I'm not afraid of anything. I live in a free country. I'm in Lebanon and Cyprus. But you, she said, well, what do you mean? Persecution? And I said, yes. And she said, Rita, persecution is a crown we put on our heads every single day. Don't take it away from us. 
And you know, they started closing now the church in 2019, the churches in Algeria. And I called the, you know, the believers there, the people that you know, we connect with, oh, don't worry. We, if they close our churches, we, we can worship under the tree. We can go to another person's home and worship. Rita, they closed our churches, but they can never close our hearts loving Jesus Christ. What a wonderful testimony of persevering faith. Rita, if you ever encounter those brothers and sisters in Christ again, I hope you'll tell them that they've impacted believers all over the world with their faith, including all of us here. Returning to our focus text for today, scoffers like to point out that God is never mentioned by name in the book of Esther. How would you respond to that accusation? Well, as with the, our own life, God is in control whether we cite His presence or not. But let me tell you, it's just a fact. Perhaps, um, you know, like in part, uh, that Mordecai, you know, told Esther not to mention, you know, like her background, her nationality, or reveal, you know, like who she is. But it's this whole thing. It's the story of politics, of racism, of, uh, of um, attempt genocide. And this is where we have to learn that we have to put others or other nations before us. This is what Jesus told us. And be the, you know, like um, uh, a tool of proclaiming, you know, like his love to people around us. Well, turmoil in the Middle East seems to be the norm rather than the exception. And if anything, the tension and threats are growing day by day. Your own birth nation, Lebanon, has descended into a cycle of unrest and chaos. Iran's despotic government is sowing radicalism throughout the region and determined to annihilate Israel. We know that God loves the Arab people and is calling many of them to saving faith in Jesus. But there are also multiple prophecies concerning these nations. How should we engage with our Middle Eastern brothers and sisters in Christ, and how should we interact with those nations? This is a beautiful question. And I wrote like a couple of things down, so not to, you know, like to forget mentioning them. First, there are many misunderstandings uh, because of the news in the West. You know, like only the acts of war, terrorism, get on the news. And we see it, not just also in the West, also like in, 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 in this part of the world. Most people are very kind. Most people in this region are hospitable, are family oriented. They want to live in dignity. They care for their children. These are the most people. Maybe what you see on TV is only five, 10% of, you know, like, you know, people who are terrorists, etc. And these people, and especially the believers, we need to support them. As we, you know, like in the West, like especially like the U.S. support Israel, you need to support the church. It's the body of Christ that always is forgotten. You know, people in the church in Iraq, the church in Syria, the Christians in Lebanon, the Christian in Egypt, these are the first people who suffer, you know, when there is, you know, like extremist attack on the, in, on the nation. And these are the people that I consider like, like Esther today. This is for the time like this, these people exist to bring change, to bring reconciliation, to bring peace, to witness to Jesus Christ. This is the church that we believe that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. These are the people of the Middle East, and I'm talking especially Christian there. Rita, it's a real privilege to pray for fellow believers around the world and be an instrument of outreach for Christ. 
For our viewers who are unfamiliar, tell us about SAT7. What is its purpose and mission, and where do you focus your outreach? Well, just, you know, like briefly, we are a Christian television services in Arabic, Farsi for Iran, and Turkish for Turkey. In Arabic with different dialects, you know, of the Middle East and North Africa. We are there on satellite. We are there on the digital medium, just to proclaim God's word to many. We are there to strengthen the church. This church, there was a strong church maybe hundreds of years ago, but now it's a church, according to many, that is dying or immigrating, even though I don't believe that because I really believe that the church is stronger than ever. The numbers, you know, like don't show us, you know, like the strength of the church. And we are there to strengthen the church and also to win millions of people who are in desperate need to know him, to love him, who, who have lots of questions in their mind about Jesus Christ, to give them the truth of Jesus through the word of God. We're there for women, we're there for families, we're there, you know, just to give the peace and love and the word of God to millions of people in the Middle East and North Africa. Rita, your background with children and children's programming is such a powerful way to connect with families and to present the gospel of Jesus Christ. How can our viewers connect with SAT7, viewing the wealth of material you stream into the Middle East and supporting your effort to point people to Jesus Christ? Well, you can visit our website, www.sat7usa.org. And uh, we have an app called SAT7 Plus. Android or iOS, you can, it's for free, you download it and you can watch in many, in four languages, some are in, is English, you know, so you watch in Turkish, Arabic and, and, uh, and the Farsi and some materials are in English. Uh, and you can always, I mean, I know that you'll be praying for us, but you can always visit us. Come and visit, come and meet these people. I mean, when I go around, maybe because of the children program, people invite me not because, you know, like I'm a CEO, they don't know anything about, you know, like how important I am in the organization. They invite me because they see me on the screen. This is the lady that teach our children about Jesus. So I come and sit with them and eat with them and, and play with them and talk with them. Come and visit and you will fall in love with the people of, you know, like the Middle East and North Africa. Rita, you are such a tremendous blessing, and God has poured out blessing not only into your life, but through your life. I'm so glad you could join us today, and we do pray God's continued blessing on your life and on your leadership at SAT7. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. Please continue to pray and come and visit us. Throughout human history, wars, or rumors of wars, have been the norm. Small wars wage almost continually, although that description doesn't capture the human tragedy of war, regardless of the perceived size. Over the past several weeks, attention has turned to Ukraine, where Russian President Vladimir Putin has unleashed the dogs of war. The devastation inflicted to that nation, let alone the mounting toll of human suffering, just boggles the mind, and which leads many people to ask, does God care, and is this a sign of the end times? Let us put our bottom line up front. God does care. He cares for nations as well as individuals. If a sparrow cannot fall from the sky without him taking notice, he certainly cares for every man, woman, and child, regardless of where they live. I'll come back to that overriding point in a moment, but let's turn our attention to the lessons the Ukraine war should offer to Christians. Our insight is tempered with humility because the situation is too fresh to offer final clarity in hindsight. Having said that, 
We know from Scripture that God, one, allows us to exercise free will even when we choose to act in a sinful manner. Two, God works all things together to fulfill His own purpose and plan. Three, God sometimes judges nations by raising up other, even more wicked nations. And four, in the end, every evil deed will receive the punishment and wrath it deserves. Well, what does this mean for the Russian onslaught of Ukraine? Well, to be blunt, it means one, whether Vladimir Putin or Joseph Stalin or Adolf Hitler or countless other dictators, oppressors, and bullies, those acting wickedly will inflict suffering on others. Well, I mention bullies because this inclination towards callous oppression is evident even at your local elementary school. The sinful heart of man will seek and find opportunities to act on the sin that festers in every unredeemed heart. The damage done to others depends only on the scope of power and weaponry at an evil actor's disposal. Well, number two, we know that Satan also schemes to inflict harm on us, just as he did with Job. At times, the suffering seems senseless and more than we can bear. Well, certainly we recognize that many are permanently harmed and killed as Satan and his unwitting allies wreak havoc on our fallen world. But Satan's outrage at Calvary became God's greatest victory to his own glory. Rita also testified that God took the ashes of pain and suffering in her own life and turned them into beauty as she now ministers to others. The next lesson is one we can only submit as biblically true. We do not have enough insight to apply it specifically in Ukraine's situation. That brings us to three. We do know that God pours out judgment on nations by allowing even more wicked nations to ascend and inflict great suffering. He did that to Israel with Assyria and later to Judah with Babylon. The suffering documented in Jeremiah and Lamentations is horrifying to consider. But even as the prophet recognized that God was allowing judgment to fall, Jeremiah's faith in God and his faithfulness was not shaken. Even in wrath, God does remember mercy. And four, ultimately the perpetrators of evil in our world will be judged. They may avoid human prosecution, but they will stand before the righteous judge, as will we all. God will judge not just the wicked actions, but the wicked heart and motivations of every person who ever lived. And He will mete out just punishment by His own perfect wisdom. For all of us who put our trust in Jesus Christ, the punishment we deserve has already been poured out on Him at the cross. He endured the suffering death on our behalf, so thou there is now no condemnation for those who put their faith in Him. Well, regarding the signs spoken of by Jesus in Matthew 24, we're witnessing a precipitous rise in the frequency and intensity of all of the signs. The war in Ukraine has already impacted us here at home, and the real threat of another Cold War, let alone the possibility of a nuclear exchange, something that we thought was merely a nightmare from the past, has become a reality once again. Wars and rumors of wars are front and center on the world stage. The international political stage is being set for the end times as foretold in Bible prophecy. Soon and very soon, Jesus will collect His bride. Then the horrors unleashed by Russia will pale in comparison to the tribulation that falls upon the world. Do not trust in princes or kings or presidents or prime ministers. Do not rely on your savings or retirement plan. Put your trust in Jesus Christ and know that an eternity of indescribable joy awaits you in the presence of our great God and Savior. Esther was in the right place at the right time to be an instrument of God to save the Jewish people. But only in hindsight do we see the hand of the Lord guiding her path to prominence. Before Judah was defeated and carted into exile, Isaiah warned that God's anger was being aroused by His people's wicked ways. He spoke woe to those who call evil good and good evil, 
who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. He predicted that the Jewish people would go into exile for their lack of knowledge, or what we would call discernment or wisdom. Isaiah could have been describing our wayward society and our confused culture. As the meme says, our leaders are incapable of great deeds anymore. They can't even figure out which bathroom to use. And like Israel and Judah before us, our ignorance is without excuse. We have willfully abandoned the wisdom handed down to us by our forebears, who at least respected the truth of God's Word. Now our leaders tell people to embrace their own truth or dismissively scoff what is truth. Younger generations are bearing the scars for such foolishness. Increasingly, numbers of them don't know who they are, what gender they want to be, or whether their life has any meaning. How did we stray so far? We've abandoned the rock to be tossed about on the raging sea of moral relativism. Unlike Esther, you may not be in a position to save an entire people, but God has positioned you in such a time and place to touch the lives around you. As Mordecai said, if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise from another place. But as he warned, many who could be saved will perish. You are like Esther in one other important way. If you've been grafted into the family of God, you too have attained royalty because you are a child of the King. Do not let ignorance or fear silence your voice. Rise to the occasion in such a time as this. Ladies and gentlemen, the storm is here. Watchmen are shouting their warnings that Jesus is standing at the very precipice of heaven, ready to return and snatch away the church in the rapture. Are you ready? Equip yourself to understand the signs of the end times that point to the imminent return of Jesus Christ by joining your fellow watchmen at the Lamb and Lion Ministries 2022 Bible Prophecy Conference this July 23rd, held at First Baptist Church in Forney, Texas, a suburb east of Dallas. Our theme this year is Storm Warning, the Urgency of the Rapture. Tim Moore and Nathan Jones will be joined by the prophecy pros Jeff Kinley and Todd Hampson, along with several other special gifted speakers. Get your Bible questions answered during two question and answer sessions. Arrive a day early and join us for a special gathering Friday evening. Seating is limited, so secure your reservation today from our website at lamblion.com. You won't want to miss this conference for all the world. Well, I think it's obvious why I wanted Rita Elmo Nair to be our guest on this episode focusing on Esther. Rita demonstrates God's ability to turn ashes to beauty. From an upbringing marred by tragedy and pain, he raised her up to intercede for people whose lives tend toward tragedy and pain. Well, all of us come to faith in Christ with baggage, some due to our own sin and sinfulness, and some due to the suffering inflicted on us by other people's sin and sinfulness. Rita exemplifies someone who takes what Satan meant for evil and turns it into an opportunity to glorify Christ and pour into others. Like Joseph, who said regarding his own brother's malicious offense, you meant it for harm, but God meant it for good. That's the promise of Scripture for all those who put their faith in Jesus Christ. God works all things together for good in our lives. We just have to trust in Him. Our key verse this week is Esther 4.14, which points to Esther's opportunity to trust in God, even though He is not mentioned by name. She had been put in a position to intervene for her people as long as she rose to that opportunity in such a time as this. All of us, not just Christians in hostile nations like North Korea and China and Iran, are called to serve the Lord and intervene on behalf of His people in such a time as this. Esther demonstrates that Jesus is woven throughout the Word of God, even when He's not mentioned by name and when He does not appear in a Christophany. 
Our Christ and Prophecy Study Guide is a tremendous resource to help you become attuned to the presence of our Savior throughout the Bible. For a gift of $20 or more, we'd be glad to send it to you. Well, that's our program for today. Join Nathan and me the next time we focus on Jesus in the Old Testament as we grapple with one of the oldest books in the Bible. Read Job and put yourself in Job's position as you consider the questions he wanted to ask the Almighty. Until then, I'm Tim Moore. And I'm Nathan Jones saying, look up, be watchful for the Lord who is not silent, but offers us deliverance in this time and place and forevermore is drawing near. Yeah.